All right, our next guest is a special one. He is the cut man you see everywhere. He is Mr. One More Round himself. Of course, you've seen him on the Rocky movies, the Creed, and um, of course, in some UFCs and the big high, the big high-profile boxing matches. It's the one. It's the only. Stitch Duran. All right, woo, Stitch. We got a, we got a big. We're good, man. We got a big applause, kind of like the recent top rank shows. You know, big big crowds going on right now in the top rank bubble, as you know. Stitch, you're in the bubble right now from what it looks like. What's been the difference uh, being in a bubble, getting the food served to you, going to different fights, getting the testing? What's been the – I'm sure it's just a big difference, but what, what have you experienced so far? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like the boxing version of Shawshank Redemption, you know, kind of mm -hmm. like the modern version of it because uh, – and we make fun of it. You know, we're in the bubble. Literally, I'm in my room maybe 20 hours a day. Uh, the only time I go out is for breakfast, lunch, dinner, get back to your room and uh, the weigh-ins, which are always fun. Spend a little bit more time out there. Uh, and then the fights, and then we come back into uh, the room. But yeah, that's where I'm at, man. So I'll kind of show you real quick where I'm at. This is this is my view of Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, 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 nice. Well, that's you a lot better than my view. You tell me if it's nice. But no, it's you know what, it's uh, uh, overall, it's it's a great experience, uh, you know, just to be involved with this historical moment uh, here of of we being the blueprint for boxing as to uh, if you're going to conduct fights, this is the be this could be the way to do it. And uh, working with the ESPN people, the top ranked people, the boxing people, uh, everybody's really coming together as one. So it's a little different, but I'm glad to be here. And it's so quiet. From what I see, it's so quiet in the arena. Uh, can you hear the other corner while you're working on your fighter? Yeah, of course. You know, it's easy to do, and it's funny because I guess Top Rank has an app where you could tune in and, and you could actually speak and do and all that. You could kind of hear them up up above, but you could definitely hear uh, the people on the other side. And uh, so, you know, what used to be an advantage maybe isn't an advantage anymore. I just want to know, I want to know before Zach asks you uh, something, I want to know, how did you get into, into being a cut man? Like, how did you start out? What was your first fight? Was it just something you've been into or was it just a coincidence? Just like, how'd you get into it? No, it's a, uh, I have a real good story, man. It's uh, you know, I grew up as a farm worker in the central Valley of California and uh, I always wanted to play baseball and walked onto a college, but didn't have a car. And so I joined the military and in 1974, they, stationed me in a place called Thailand. I didn't know what the hell Thailand was, you know, and um, this was at the end of the Vietnam War, but I always said if I went to the Orient, I would want to study the martial arts. So I saw my first Muay Thai fight. Uh, I had some friends that were already there like three months before uh, me. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm Mexican. I'm thinking, well, fights are fights is boxing, right? This guy kicks a guy in the head and, and uh, knocks him out. And uh, that became my addiction, you know, so that following Monday, on the base, they had Taekwondo. Uh, Taekwondo, Thailand, to me, sounds the same, you know, being a young kid, no different. So for the three months, we trained with the Koreans, and they left, and then the Thais took over, and they kind of transitioned us. And uh, But from there, when I got back to the States, I opened up my own school of kickboxing, um, and I was a trainer, I was a promoter, I was a manager. I also had to learn to be a cut man just for the economics, you know, of not hiring anybody, but I wanted to know all aspects of the game and uh, that just kind of floated to the top and 
I made the move to Vegas 26 years ago uh, to do this and uh, paid off. That's Yeah, that's a pretty crazy story. I was going to say, because you've been in the military and that, and you've come, you've opened your own gym and you're a cop man. So did you like get any medical degree for that or did you just kind of dive straight into it? You just managed to get the, yeah. get the gist. Nah, you know, Zach, I only have a high school diploma, you know, and, and uh, I tell people it's not because I was dumb. It's just because I couldn't afford to go to school and continue an education. And, and then growing up in a small town, I didn't know that, you know, there was, if you talk to counselors, uh, they would guide you and they would, you know, do this. Well, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with none of that at all. Uh, so I just kind of winged things and uh, joined the military, but that's what, uh, that's what got me here. So, uh, yeah, everything had a reason, you know. Uh, but never would I have thought I would have been in this position uh, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, that's a pretty good story. It's pretty, for me, it's most things here because I'm, I'm 20 years old. You know, I'm a student. I'm trying to, trying to get that money. I'm working right now, you know, trying to find a way. And, you know, with Alex as well, you know, eventually even move out to Vegas as well. So it gives me a bit, a bit of motivation to kick well, up. Well, 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 let me motivate you a little bit more, Zach, because there's a simple formula to not not knowing what I know now, right? And not knowing that I had counselors that would guide me and give me some encouragement. I didn't have none of that. So my job has now been is to give information out. But uh, I'll tell you and Alex, because you were just talking about what we've all talked about is reaching, reaching our goals and reaching our dreams. But uh, there's really uh, uh, that one line, and we talked about it yesterday, that one line that we're scared to cross to get what we want to get. We've all been through it, but uh, we were talking about it last night at dinner with the other people. If you don't cross that line, you'll never get there and, and you know, have that confidence. So uh, if anything at all, you know, always come to, to that. You will come to that point and jump over that line, bro. It's not that bad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I definitely will. When the opportunity comes, I'm, I'm going to take it. And that was good to hear. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to make it like everyone else, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, Stitch, I want to know what your what's your most memorable fight? What is uh, you know something that comes to mind that's like, oh my god, this is just just your best memory in a, in a corner? Oh man, there's tons of them, bro. You know that's one of the things that I've been blessed with is I've had so many, so many great, great moments and fights, and uh, you know, and and I, I get to the point where now, like in MMA, just pick a fighter. I'll tell you a great story, you know. Uh, but you know, working uh, recently, you know, of course, with Tyson Fury when. He fought Deontay Wilder. Uh, that was great. And, and the fight before Vladimir Klitschko when he fought Anthony Joshua, you know, in boxing, those are great. You know, in MMA, there's tons of them. Tons of them. Yeah, I mean, I want to actually ask a bit. Did you do the, um, the second fight with the second fight, Fury Wilder 2, where Fury won? That one. Many have been reading the news that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the, nerves, it's the nerves, you know. It's it's you know yeah. so new to this, but um, yeah. So what what happened there is uh, Tyson Fury, of course, you know, is a big big fighter, and I worked with Vladimir Klitschko when he beat Vladimir Klitschko, and I thought Vladimir just had a bad day because Tyson Fury's techniques weren't all that professional. But on uh, I saw the first fight when he fought Deontay Wilder, and what a great fight! And you know, I, fought, I saw the fight when he got cut, and then I they get the rematch for him and Deontay Wilder and <clears throat> based on that big cut, they brought me in and, uh, that, uh, I did a lot of interviews and, you know, uh, I was there as an insurance boss 
but that just kind of put me on a different platform because uh, even the cup man that worked with Tyson Fury, Jorge Capetillo, the fight before, that kept him in the game and, and, and got the victory for him, he says, bring in Stitch because he has a lot more experience. So he knew the magnitude of this type of fight, and uh, to work with Tyson Fury has been one of, one of the great stories that uh, I could say that I was involved in. Another historical moment. That's pretty. That's pretty, pretty impressive, you know. And I just want to. I say again, obviously, you and Fury's corner. Do you get to choose what corner you're in, or do you just get assigned to one? Who are you talking about here? Uh, just yeah, just no, just in general. If there's like a fight yeah. coming out, like with Fury Wilder, do you get to choose whose corner you're in, or do you just get the call? Yeah, they they choose me actually. And in, in boxing, it's different than MMA uh, or bare knuckle fights, which I do now. But in boxing, the actual the fighter, the team will will hire me to work with us specifically. And uh, that's what Tyson Fury did. Uh, so in, in MMA, uh, bare knuckle fights, the promoter brings us in. And uh, and then usually I'll work in the corner that the promoter puts me in, which which is usually the house fighters. And uh, so, but like here at, uh, at the end the bubble for the top rank uh, ESPN fights, uh, what they do now is, because uh, you have myself and Mike Basil, uh, the other cut man, and, uh, we brought in uh, Bob Ware, which is uh, Floyd Mayweather's cut man. So there's three of us. So uh, what happens is that when the fighters get on the scale, uh, then there's two cards that they have. It's like the Academy Awards. So they pick a card, uh, envelope, I should say, and whoever's name is on that envelope is who will work with them as a cut man, uh, whether it be me or whether it be Mike Basil. So that's how they do it here. And that's, you know, for the most part in MMA, but in boxing, it's normally the the team that brings me in. What is your most memorable moment with Vladimir Klitschko? I mean, you guys have been all over the world together. You've been in the corners. I mean, Vitaly as well. But what is your, what is like the, your, your greatest moment with, with, with Vladimir? You know, it, um, uh, there, there's two. And actually it was the first fight of his career and the last fight of his career. So I'll, I'll give them both, both to you, Alex. And I thought, you know, to me, they were pretty instrumental. Uh, but, you know, going back in 19, I say 1991, Vitaly, his brother, says 1992, but it was when the Soviet Union first broke. Uh, all these different countries uh, went into their own countries, right? Well, the Ukraine, they uh, promoted the first professional boxing and kickboxing fights in Kiev. And at that time, I had a, a kickboxer, Mark Longo from Denver, Colorado. So I went with a team of boxers and some other kickboxers. And, and the Klitschko brothers there, they were young kids, but they were, at that time, they were already superstars. You know, they were Olympians, and, and uh, I think Vitaly was a world champion kickboxer, Vladimir, a boxer. And so I saw them, but I really didn't meet them. And they came to Vegas, and, and, and I met them, and I, we talked about that moment when I was at the, in Kiev, and, and uh, we created a bond. And, and then so going fast forward, uh, when Vladimir Klitschko and Lennox Lewis did the fight scenes in the movie Ocean's Eleven, I just happened to be the cut man for Vladimir Klitschko, which is they brought me in for that, right? And uh, but later on, uh, he had lost his world title to Lehman Brewster. And I used to co-host a radio show in Las Vegas, and my friend and I, Nick Ward, are standing at the MGM watching people go into the arena uh, for a, can't remember what fight. But Emmanuel Stewart at that time was an HBO commentator and also the coach for Vladimir Klitschko. And he's walking by us in his tuxedo, and and he's a stitch. He goes, I need to talk to you about Vladimir. I kind of look at my buddy. And I said, did you see what I saw? Yeah. You know, so the next day he called me 
and asked me to work with Vladimir. And of course, it was an honor. But the with the fight that I worked with him was here at Caesar's Palace. He fought Devereux Williamson. It was his first comeback fight after he lost his world title. And uh, so big, big fight for him, right? So during the fight, he's looking okay. He's not looking great. But he won the first three rounds. Uh, in the fourth round, he gets dropped, right? And then in the fifth round, and that's why you have to know the game outside of just the mechanics of working cuts, but the scoring system. Uh, but at, in the fifth round, he got an unintentional headbutt, big old cut uh, that just – it was a bad cut. And uh, I had worked on those cuts before, but I knew percentage-wise the best chance for him to win that fight would have been right there. So when the doctor came in, she – well, I told Vladimir and Vitaly as, as he sat down, I said, look, you got a bad cut. You're winning the fight. I'm going to have the doctor stop the fight knowing that it's going to go to the scorecards. So when they sat down and then when the doctor came, she says, well, what do you think? I go like this and I opened it up, right? And he knew that that was a good indication. Stopped the fight, went to the scorecards. He ended up winning the fight and became heavyweight champ of the world. So that paid off. If I would have been wrong, you and I probably wouldn't be talking. So that was the start of my career. So he, he really knew that I was there to take care of him and, 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 uh, you know, we always had a lot of special moments. So the last fight with Deontay, uh, with uh, Anthony Joshua, Wembley Stadium, 90,000 people. I, I get there. I see him only the, the day before the fight because my daughter had got married in Crete. And, uh, but we're in the dressing room, and I'm talking to Vladimir and Vitaly. And, and then Vla Vitaly leaves, and finally, as I'm leaving, I tell Vladimir, I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, look, don't worry about nothing tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you like you're my son. And I leave it because psychology is not only the mechanics, but that's important also. Have them a confidence knowing the game, the whole system. So here we are in front of 90,000 people, Alex and Zach, and the whole world is watching. And I, Michael Buffer's ready to do the announcing. And I'm putting the final, final Vaseline on, on Vladimir, and we're about this far apart. And in front of all this whole world, he looks at me and says, You could call me son. And that just gave me chills, but I knew that I had gotten into his mind the night before because you know being a fighter you know that uh, the night before all kinds of things are going through your head and you're there by yourself right and so how do you calm yourself you know you figure ways to uh, keep your adrenaline controlled uh, how to just stay calm so that moment right there calmed him and uh, he recognized that and he mentioned that and you know a week later he calls me and uh, hey daddy you know so uh, those those are two great moments that I've had with Vladimir Klitschko. Plus, you know, Vitaly, uh, love them both, man. Still do. I just want to say quickly before Alex says something, that was, that was a really incredible story, both of them. And especially for the Fury-Joshua fight, I live in London. I'm from the same place as Joshua Watford. That I remember that day. It was such an important day for me. So many things happened for me during that day, not just the fight, but personal things as well. And I just want to ask, with the weight of that event, what can could you tell? Like, is there a difference that you feel that uh, with, with fights in London as opposed to America? Is there a different feeling at all? Yeah, you know, I uh, I've always said ninety thousand Brits in Wembley Stadium is like one hundred fifty thousand fans from some other country because the Brits were so great when it came to being they're great fans. But you know what what made that moment special there. Uh, after the fights is I did the, the Balboa movie when Rocky fought his last fight. And even though he lost, the fans in the audience were, 
Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. So they showed him that respect, right? Well, the fans in Wembley Stadium did the same thing with Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua. And they showed him that respect. And when I had spoke to Vladimir, he says, you know, Stitch, of all the respect that I've gotten throughout the world, I never got the respect like I did at Wembley Stadium. Uh, so right now, him and Anthony Joshua are friends. But yeah, I love going to London and, and uh, you know, the fans are just, they're spectacular. Not only them, but throughout the whole UK, uh, really the best fans. And, you know, I mean, when Ricky Hatton used to come here and, uh, uh, you know, all of these British fighters, they take over Las Vegas, you know. So uh, Conor McGregor, you know, when he comes, the Irish take it over, you know. So, uh, yeah, I love going up there and, and having a good time. That's good to hear. I mean, it gives a smile on my face. And it's good to know that we're passionate fans over here. And, you know, it's different because I feel like here, obviously, there's, there's you've got fighters, but I feel like it's not like in America. Like, here you've got Joshua where a whole a whole country would get behind you. And I think, I think that's what's really passionate. So, yeah, it was good to hear. <laughs> you know, I've always also worked with, you know, Amir Khan. And, and I would have loved, but I worked with him here in the States. I would have loved to have gone to London uh, or even just Manchester, where he's from, and just do the fights. Because, you know, I've been throughout the UK, all over the UK. And everywhere I've gone, the fans have been tremendous. Yeah, uh, you, took the, you took the question right out of my mouth, Zach. I was going to ask, comparing the American crowds versus the European and the UK crowds. That's why I want to see Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders, because I think the UK invading Vegas with the Mexican audience, who is the the a raucous Cinco de Mayo weekend, as you know, Cinco de Mayo, and then the, the Mexican Independence September. It's always a party, and those two coming together, I think, would, would be an amazing thing. Yeah, my name my name was actually thrown out to work with uh, Billy Joe Saunders. You know, so about oh. me is I'm neutral. You know, but. Uh, and I was telling them, it's very soundly do I work with Mexican Latin fighters. I work with a lot of Europeans and, you know, guys from that side of the water. So, uh, but yeah, for me, it's a business. You know, whoever hires me, uh, I'm like, I'm like a hitman. You know, I'm like a hired gun. Uh, you bring me in to do my job and my job is to do my job, you know, so. I respect it, man. I'm with you. Uh, I'm, speaking of doing your job, you do MMA as well as boxing in the bare knuckle, like you said. Is there a different type of cut? Like, do you notice that, oh, these cuts are more common or this is a cut you only get in MMA as opposed to boxing, as opposed to bare knuckle? Like, uh, do you just see different stuff when people go back to your corner? Yeah, you know, the, the cuts you see in boxing, which uh, a lot of times there's one, then if you're in a tough, tough fight, you might have two. If you're in a real, 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 real tough fight, you might have three or four. <clears throat> so, you know, those, yeah, those are all the, the basic cuts, right? Well, you get into MMA, MMA, multiple cuts are common and, and they're deep, they're, they're bigger. So if you worked on MMA cuts, then you could do boxing in a heartbeat. Bare knuckle fights on the same thing are multiple cuts in volume, six, seven, eight cuts, you know, they happen. The, the, the um, percentage of a fighter getting cut is high, 60, 70%, you know. Uh, so they do happen, but yeah, and that's why, you know, that's a good question there, Alex, because if I have an assignment and then somebody calls me to do another assignment, I'll recommend another cut man, but I normally recommend cut men that work in MMA, uh, because they're used to multiple cuts. And if you go into a boxing show, man, you can be eating popcorn and working on a cut at the same time. It's that easy, you know, so, uh, uh, but, but boxing pays a lot more, which is great. So. Where's the worst spot to get a cut? 
you would say. Uh, this one right here, the one that... Uh, uh, Badu Jack? Oh, Butter as well. Oh, the, exactly, the Badu Jack cut. Same one, because you know that big blood vessel? When you get excited, you laugh. And I, th yeah. I thought I had one on Zach right now. If you pop that, that cut, that vein, because it's a little bit wider than the other ones, it'll bleed oh. like a pig. And, and to this day, my bloodiest fight was an MMA. Jehoran fought uh, Jonathan Goulet from Canada. And the cut was only about this big, but it severed that vein. And uh, <laughs> Jehoran bled, for, literally had blood from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Both fighters did because they were grappling yeah. and, and all that. But there was so much blood that it made me nauseated. And that's the only time I've ever gotten wow. nauseated in a fight. Uh, but, yeah, but it's that vein right there, bro. You know, that one is tough, tough to stop. I actually want to ask, that's pretty mental to say, but I want to ask, obviously there's a difference with working on cuts between MMA and boxing. And, you know, you've been in movies such as Rocky and Creed. And obviously... Yeah that's reality is different obviously in a movie it changes yeah. and i want to know even though you're acting does your kind of job do they do they make you do things that are different to how you know you prepare and act in a real fight no that's a good question and nobody's ever asked that but i'll give you a good answer is um you know when they brought me in i i told the, the first one was was with creed you know but i uh, well i mean i've done six movies but they bring me in for my expertise and, uh, you know, Ryan Coogler during the Creed movie, Creed 1, I told Ryan, young director, I said, you know, if I see something that's not authentic, I'm going to bring it up to your attention. He goes, that's what we brought you in for, you know. And uh, so they do. They bring me in and, and me to like Creed 1 and Creed 2. Uh, I, I had a lot of influence on, on doing things the right way. You know, like the first day that I got there, Zach, <clears throat> they're doing one of the scenes where, uh, Ivan Drago's son knocks out one of the opponents and the guy's down and the doctor lifts his head up and he's checking out his eyes and I told the director, I said, no, nah, no, nah, it don't work that way because when a guy gets knocked out, you know, yeah, you examine his eyes, but you don't pick his head up because he might have a neck injury, right? So they did re they redid that scene. And, um, you know, so yeah, it, uh, it, it's pretty authentic. I'm not an actor, don't want to be an actor, but it's easy for me to do what I do because this is what I do during the fights. Uh, but we were talking about this yesterday. There's a couple scenes, one in, in Rocky and then one in Creed that are missed in boxing. And I told Sylvester Stallone on the Rocky one, when he's telling Mick, the old famous line, cut me, Mick, cut me, remember? We all know that line, right? So we don't do that because number one, to cut somebody in, in a ring, Rocky's eyes is completely closed, and he's telling Mickey, cut me, Mick, so he could see. Well, you don't do that, and Mick cuts it, right? You don't do that because, number one, you're performing surgery in the ring, and you're not a doctor. <clears throat> but number two is now, instead of having a swollen eye, you're going to get blood in the eye. So that's a big disadvantage. So I told Sylvester Stallone, I said, many, countless of times, I've had to educate people that that was Hollywood and it's not real life. Well, in the movie Creed, same thing, his eye is closed. And Ryan Coogler asked me, well, what, what do you think if, if you put your fingers? He goes, yeah, that's, that's Hollywood. So the doctor comes and asks uh, Creed, you know, well, how many fingers do you see? So I go, you know, because I'm working with him, but I'm from behind. I go, and he says, two. And then, okay, well, how many do you see? You okay, well, I see four, and they let him go. But that's all Hollywood. Good question, wow. though. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I actually also want to know, so obviously, 
and you're in the fighting game, you've probably been asked all the questions apart from the one I just asked. But I want to know, you said you played baseball when you were younger. And is that your favourite sport outside of fighting? Do you have any other sports that you just, you just love watching? You know, as you're not involved in it, you can just sit back, relax and watch it. No, you know, it's, it's funny because for the most part, I don't watch any other sports, you know, and, and not because I don't want to, it's because of the time-wise. A lot of the events that I have are on weekends, right? So, like on Saturday, uh, I'm in my room and I'll watch maybe college football. But usually when the baseball games or football games are on Sunday, I'm traveling. And by the time I get home, I don't want to watch the sports. So I, I don't follow them like I used to. Uh, my whole dedication has been martial arts and, and uh, boxing. And, uh, you know, even now to the point, I don't even watch as much MMA fights as, as I used to, you know. So yeah. once you do so many of them, you know, you just, you know, unless there's a big, big, big fight, then I'll tune in. But for the most part, uh, once I'm outside of the arena, I'm spending time with my family. Nice. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, speaking of some MMA, you were in Robbie Lawler's corner uh, in, during that second fight for the championship against Rory McDonald. Round four, the horn sounds. He spits blood all over the ground. He stares down at Rory McDonald. Door opens, right? And you just come in sprinting like, whoa, 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 man. I got to clean you up. What, what's going through your mind? What is the corner telling this maniac? Like, uh, so much must be going on in those 60 seconds. <laughs> You know, Robbie Lala, great history with Robbie, man. I, you know, number one, he's very astute when it comes to combat sports, MMA, boxing also. But yeah, that's right. I remember I run in, but that lip, it's like somebody got his lip and just got to spit that blood out. But my job is to get to him as soon as possible because of the severity of the cut, right? And start direct pressure and bring him back into the ring or into the corner, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, he was ready to fight and turned out to be one of the greatest fights. Probably, it, I think it was my last fight, big, big fight with the UFC. Uh, Cause I know they had a small show the day after and, and I saw Robbie in the back uh, and he came up to me and thanked me and all that. But, you know, I saw his car and they did a nice job sewing him up. So when it comes to sewing, it was easy because it was a straight cut. Uh, but Robbie, what a fight, man! Even Rory Mc, uh, McDonald, you know, uh, both of them. Were with I remember Rory when he was a young phenom at 17, you know, and uh, so to see these guys go to battle and and to see that blood was, I loved it, man. <laughs> so and it's nice to be part of their history, right? That's part of their history, and I don't think those guys have been the same since that fight. I think like that that was you. You don't leave the same after that kind of war, man. Just just yeah. toe to toe, just you know, right in front of each other. It's a phenomenal fight. It was. It was tough. That's pretty mental. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I know you said you don't watch much sports, but sometimes, like, obviously, with the, obviously, you you can only be in one corner. So, it's, let's say if the opponent's got a really bad cut, do you ever see, like, oh, if I was in that corner, I'd know exactly what I'd do. Like, they're doing it wrong. <laughs> that guy's that messing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, when uh, when I do see fights, uh, I, I do study the other corners. I always study, still study. And uh, but yeah, during a fight, uh, I, I'll see. Well, yeah. Let me get to that. Let me backtrack. I, I always look and see who the corner is because the it'll tell you the caliber of fighter that he is. We have a good coach of Emmanuel Stewart, a Freddie Roach, you know this type of guy. 
then you know the guy's been properly trained. If you see this guy that, you know, just doesn't look like a trainer, then you know that his probability of being trained properly is slim. Uh, so I do look at that. I also look at the cut man, you know, what's how he handles himself, how his equipment is handled. I look at all that, and during the fight, yeah, if they get cut, then, of course, you know, uh, I always study them. Do you uh, do you bring all your tools and equipment with you everywhere you go, or is it or is it provided to you by the promotion? I always wanted to know that. I always tell people is uh, always prepare for the worst case scenario, and not don't ever depend on a promoter to do anything for you because if they don't, then what do you do, right? So right. yeah, you have your own stuff, man. You know, and and <clears throat> let's say I'm I'm doing a boxing show, Alex, and I'm working with one fighter, but I bring enough yeah. equipment, pause and tape for five fighters, just in case I got to wrap his hands once. Maybe he don't like it. I have to do it again. Uh, just, but y'all always bring more than enough uh, just for those moments in case that one moment happens. Is it universal rules across the board for boxing and mixed martial arts? Can you use, this, use the same Vaselines or, or, or presses? It's, it's all the same stuff or are you allowed different stuff? No, it's a good question again. For the most part, universal is adrenaline chloride one one thousand. That's uh -huh. the method we use on the cuts, on the swab. That's a vessel constrictor, so that closes up the blood vessels. In Nevada, they let you use um, uh, avatine and thrombin, though we don't use it, but they're authorized. Uh, Quick aid is another one, but uh, for the most part, the adrenaline chloride on the worldwide is the basic foundation of of stuff that they that they let us use. Now we do like a title fight in in the UK or, or Europe, uh, they're in the ring, the doctor will give you uh, your own bottle of, of adrenaline chloride, one 1000. But normally you bring your own supplies. Yeah, I was gonna, I've got a question. So obviously you've worked on, you've worked with lots of big names, you've worked on like amazing fights, but I wanna know if there's one fight that hasn't happened yet, uh, maybe a sequel or a fight that needs to happen, what fight would you love to be involved in? If there was a dream fight you could pick and be involved in, MMA or boxing, what would that be? I, I've done them all, man. You know, and and the thing with the 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 thing with the fighters from now, uh, uh, a lot of them still have to uh, still get it at, to a certain area. Well, let, let's go back. One fight I would have wanted to do, and and I had the probability, the, a close poss possibility of doing it, but it didn't happen because well, you tell me why. But but this is the fight with. Uh, when Conor McGregor fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, right? Uh, I was in New York. I was doing uh, Bellator. I was working a Bellator show at Madison Square Garden. And I walk in the back dressing room and I see John Kavanaugh, uh, Conor McGregor's coach. And I've worked with Conor before when I was with the UFC. And so John comes and, you know, we give each other hugs. And, and he says, Stitch, I want to talk to you about working with Conor. And of course, you know, the biggest fight at that time was that one. And uh, so we went over some details. We spoke and all that. And I went back to cage side to work the fights and <clears throat> during the break, I come back and, and uh, I talked to John Kavanaugh and he says, Hey, I just finished talking with Connor and he likes the idea. So I'm going to have Connor's people get a hold of you. And they did, you know, his rep got a hold of me and we went through some uh, uh, business things and all that. And, and uh, talked to my attorney, my attorney sent him a proposal on fee wise and we're ready to close a deal. And, uh, the attorney that was working with him came back and says that I was too expensive. And uh, that was it. No counter offer. But during that time, 
Conor McGregor was going to be training at the UFC uh, Apex Center at their training facility. And being that the UFC had let me go, I don't think Dana wanted me to be uh, in the corner with Conor McGregor because it would have raised a lot of, uh, they would have been busting Dana's balls and saying, you know, you got rid of Stitch, but Stitch is back with Conor McGregor. So that fight never happened only because of politics. It's crazy. A lot of people, yeah. And you know, the thing about it, I uh, I would have helped them out because I know McGregor's style. I know boxing and I know MMA. I know the, the systems to it. And, and Conor McGregor's coming into a system he wasn't very familiar with. Neither was John Kavanaugh when it comes to boxing and especially boxing in Las Vegas, right? So, and that's where I'm from. So it would have been a big plus for him. Uh, but uh, I guess the, uh, the the people that made the decision um, didn't think so. And John Kavanaugh says it was uh, uh, it was about the money, you know. But if they would have, I would have done it just for the exposure, just to say I did it. So that would fantasy fights. What's the what's the order of importance in terms of when, when somebody comes back into the corner? Is it the cuts? Is it the swelling? The bruising? What's the first thing you you attack right away? Well, you know, when um, good question, but you guys are pretty good at what you guys do, man. I, I got to give you credit. Uh, but you know what I do with fighters is I'll do a lot of preventing maintenance. And like Tyson Fury, for example, good example is is when him and I sat down and we spoke. I said, look, I'm not going to wait till things start happening. I'm going to keep ice on you and keep the, the kale swell on you every round just to do preventing maintenance. But as soon as, let's say, there's a cut, well, my job is to get in there and get on, get to him as soon as possible and start applying direct pressure. Uh, pressure. But let's say you have multiple cuts, one here, one here, one here. You go after the priority ones uh, first. And on, on the ones are, you know, they're very bad. The blood's going to get in the eye, that type of thing. So you kind of work on them. You work on all of them but you put heavy emphasis on the ones up here because that's where the blood down here, even though it looks bad, it's, it's, it doesn't give a fighter a disadvantage. And when a doctor or a referee stops to fight, that is the key thing is when a fighter is that, is that a disadvantage and the cuts up there could do that here. They look bad, but now they're cuts. I actually have we've got a couple of questions, but I want to first ask, obviously the, the sole purpose of your job is to be a cut man but do you prefer it in a fight? Would you rather like watch the fight? You know, he takes little damage or do you prefer it when the fighter gets a cut? Cause you, you get to be more involved. Yeah. I love cut, bro. You know, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. You know, now it's both, you know, it's, I just kind of wait. It's um, the fight becomes longer when you just sitting there, you know, not doing yeah. nothing, just watching the fights uh, opposed to, you know, when the bell rings, you go in there and you work, then he goes out there and he fights. And during the time that he's fighting, well, I'm busy preparing my stuff for when the bell rings again. And uh, so that's, you know, staying active is always better. Uh, working on cuts is, 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 is a lot of fun. Uh, but if they don't get cut, then, you know, they don't get cut. But, but during the, I'm still doing preventing maintenance. Uh, I mean, I also want to ask, obviously, especially in MMA, there's different commissions. So for example, as you know, like the, the commission in New York may be a bit stricter than in Las Vegas. And does that, so like when you fight in somewhere like New York and you corner a fight, does that kind of affect your approach on when you go to cover cuts? Does that, because you know they're going to be, be a bit more strict? Yes, of course. You know, tell you, man, you guys are very good. 
Uh, yes, of course. And you know what? What I do is now I'll go into a new place, uh, and I'll go and I'll meet the ringside doctors, and let them know that here's what we do. And if you give these opportunities, of course, the doctors have the final say. <clears throat> but you know we're there to work, and and uh, so I'll I'll go meet with them. But a lot of times the doctors already know who I am, at least on my position, right? And and like New York, we've already because they are a little harder. California is a little bit more stricter, you know, uh, but they know that I'm there to take care of the fighters and I'm not there to break any rules. So uh, they give me that flexibility and, and uh, you know, I've had doctors where, you know, they want me to make the decision, you know? So uh, yeah, so they have a lot of trust in me, but they know I'm there to take care of the fighter. Stitch, who's the most intimidating fi fighter you've, you've, you've been in the corner with? Just from the locker room or the walk or all together? You know, I, Chuck Liddell. You know, Chuck, wow. Chuck to me was a good guy, but he, to me, I, he was just intimidating, right? I mean, and, and I always say Chuck Liddell had the kind of punches that would penetrate and, and create long-term damage, right? But in the same token, he has a heart because – after every fight, his coach, John, would call me and he would say, Chuck and I just want to call and say thanks for, for working in our corner, right? Uh, Chuck Lydell was definitely – Jay Jason Mahan Miller, I'll tell you, behind this scene story, is uh, he fought uh, George St. Pierre and WEC, and he got cut. And so after the fights, my job is to go in there and clean them up. So I'm cleaning them up, and he tells me, he says, get the fuck out of my life. And I just walked away. And months later, I saw him. He said, "Nah, man, I was just kidding." I said, "I don't care. I just walked away." You know. So, uh, so, but Chuck Liddell was very intimidating. Uh, I would hate to have fought him in a ring, in a cage, definitely not in a bar. Uh, but a nice guy. I mean, also to kind of counter what Alex said in his question, is there any fights to that um, you wouldn't want in the opposite corner? So, like Tony Ferguson, who cuts people up, you'd. You take to work on the other guy's corner because he's just he's creating all sorts of problems for you. Yeah, uh, David Loazzo, I used to call David Loazzo my employer because he would give me work if I was working on the other side. And uh, he was great with his elbows. And, you know, he would just cut guys up. But yeah, I, I'll look at these guys. They're style type of fighting. Uh, but I prepare for everybody, you know, because everybody's susceptible to get cut whether it's ground and pound, whether it's an elbow, whether it's a knee. Uh, but I, my whole focus is right here, their whole face. That's it. Nice. I know, I know you said you try to stay neutral, but I saw you a couple, week, a couple weeks ago, my friend Adam Lopez, who is a friend of the show, a guest of the show. Uh, you were working. You kept that face together, man, because the last three or four rounds, I was watching at home stitch, and I was like, oh, my God, just make it to the finish line. But you're there with Buddy McGirt, the fight is super close, and you know you play a, a pivotal part in just making sure Adam just makes it to the finish line and, get, and gets to the scorecards. Do you end up getting all that energy? I mean, you're right there. Do you, do you go like, oh my God, like this is, this is big time. It's a close fight, I'm in on it. I, I, I'm here to save the day in a way, but do you just like, you know, get all that energy from that fight? Like when it yeah, goes down like that. Of course, that's, that's what makes our job, our job, not even a job, is, is that adrenaline rush and, and knowing, you know, that, that you're, you're literally making a difference in a person's career, in a person's lifestyle. And, uh, you know, just to be part of that is, 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 is pretty awesome. But, yeah, you know, and then, and you're right, I try to be neutral. 
but but they're just certain bonds with certain guys that I've created throughout this whole process that that I can't forget them, you know. And like Vitor Belfort says, he says when I see Stitch walking into the dressing room, even though I know he's working on the other side, he brings that common effect, you know. And uh, you know those those are the kind of things where uh, I mean it's often you know you get a guy and these are men they give me a kiss after the fight and they say Stitch I love you, you know and you know what it's like you know it's a uh, it's stuff you just don't give away. It's stuff that is done with pure respect. I'll give you a quick story with Chuck. You talk about Chuck Liddell and Vandalay Silva, two of the toughest guys, toughest guys in the world, right? Well, when they fought, I had Vandalay's a friend of mine. I had known him through the days in Pride, and the Brazilians gave me the nickname Santana. So we've always had a good relationship. But about a week before that fight, it was December the 29th, uh, here at the MGM, uh, I saw Vandalay at the gym, and and I said, you know, Vandalay, that's my birthday. I'm going to give you some good karma. So I left it at that. And I'm working in Chuck Liddell's corner, and and it's it's a brutal, brutal, brutal fight. They're both – you could just hear the punches, man. And They're hitting each other, and they're cracking each other. And at the end of the fight, Chuck has a cut. I clean him up, and I go to the other side, and Leon Tabs, the cut man, is working on Vandalay, and Vandalay's all swollen up. And, I mean, what a brutal fight, man. And 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 I say, you know, Vandalay, how are you? He goes, no, Steve, Steve, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then in, after this great, great fight, he looks at me and says, Stitch, happy birthday. And I said, man, if that don't melt your heart, this guy was probably in the toughest fight of his life, and he wished me happy birthday right in the middle of the ring, just between him and I, you know. So great moments like that's what I'm talking about. Wow. Yeah. Zach, you got anything? I no, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. That amazing. was a pretty epic. Yeah, that was like, whoa, yeah, that, was, that caught me off guard right there. <laughs> no, hey, man, no. It, it blew my, you know, I mean, how do you think I felt? You know, because right. they were in a brutal fight and his, his face is swollen and Leon's working on him and, you know, with an ice pack. And, you know, I go there, hey, you know, Vandalay, how you doing? Oh, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. And she's happy birthday. I said, wow, man, crazy. We all know Fedor, right? Legendary. Of course, the legend. So I'm, I'm in Japan working with Josh Barnett uh, for Pride Fights. And okay. and Josh would pay me to go work with him exclusively. But all these guys would want me to wrap their hands. So Josh says, you know what? I'm paying to bring this guy here. If you want him to wrap your hands, you got to pay him $500. So, man, I'd make two, 3000 easy every time Josh fought. But this time, Fedor had just come back from breaking his thumb. The first fight back, I think he was fighting Mark Hunt. And uh, the promoter comes and asks me if I could wrap Fedor's hands. And, of course, he's at this level. And I was so excited. I said, yeah, of course. I didn't mean talk money. So I get in the dressing room. And, and, and I've worked with Russians before. So I know they're very quiet and very calm, very stolid. But I like to communicate with them and talk to them. And I'm wrapping Fedor's hands. And he's... I'm talking to him. He's not responding. Maybe just a yes or no, and this and that, and open and close. And finally, I finished wrapping his hands. And I said, how do they feel? He goes, super, super. Brother, that's all he said, man. I walked, <laughs> my feet touching the ground. And, and after that, we're walking back the hallway to the bus after the fights. And, and he had won. And he calls Josh and I in to his dressing room. And uh, placebo, you know, we drink. So we had shots of vodka with uh, with Fedor. But wow. 
the second half of that was the last time I worked with him uh, at the Bellator fights. Uh, I walk into the hotel and he's in the lobby there with all his team and comes up to me and there's Fedor. He's uh, Russian. You know, Russians aren't very friendly, but he comes up, he gives me a hug and he says, I have some sweats for you. I said, no kidding, Fedor. He goes, yeah. So he sends a guy up to his room, brings back the team sweats and he has, you know, Fedor and then he has my name underneath it and on the back, uh, he has my name. So what made that special, uh, Zach and Alex, is that those are the moments where these suits are created when he's in Russia. But he thought about me back then enough for him to make me some sweats. So that's the kind of love I get from these guys. Wow. Crazy. What, what, yeah. what, what was your experience with Pride as an organization? Because it was in Japan, it was, the, they were different. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome, man. Just uh, there was nothing like pride fights. You know, the yeah. first one I was at the at the Tokyo Dome. You know, and and baseball was my game, right? So here I am in in the middle of the field, the, the Tokyo Dome. But the fans were awesome, and uh, but just working the pride fights, I think, because everybody wanted me to wrap their hands, and right. uh, I mean all the big ones from from Pride, and uh, you know they treated me like gold. You know, so I had those great, great moments, man. And uh, and I went back to and I did their first Pride show. And uh, it was nice to get back because I walk into, as in fact, I take that back when the UFC went there for the first time. I'm walking into the arena with my bucket and my bag and my medications before the fight started. And, and you can hear the fans in the audience, state sign, state sign. And man, they're calling out my name, bro. And I got chills, you know, uh, so. I love going to Japan. Man, it's it's got to be like fighting in a library, though, right? Because the fans are very respectful. They applaud, like, the fighters. Yeah. It's a very different culture and fan base than, like, America. You know, they appreciate yeah. – I think they appreciate the, the fighting more over there. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and then they put on shows. But, yeah, no, they, yeah. they understand the fight. And, and it's not so much a, a win or lose type of situation. It's how you fight. You know, that's where the respect factor comes in. And – uh yeah, man, it was. I've had a blast going up there. Many, many great memories. Awesome. That's incredible. Zach, you got anything? You got anything else? No, not really. I'm, I'm still trying to take in all these stories, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> crazy, man. So you know, then before we end up, is is I did write a couple of books. <clears throat> Actually, uh, the first one is called "From the Fields to the Garden" because I grew up as a farm worker, and my goal was to make it to Madison Square Garden. But I've been there many times. So it details a lot of the, these stories that I explained to you, plus the way I, I came up, how I came up, and, you know, follow your dreams, Zach, cross that line, you know. It's very inspirational. And so when the USC let me go, then people wanted a second book, so I just made a continuation of, of the first one. But uh, those are available at Amazon.com. And, and, and they're nice inspirational books. So... There you go. We'll put the links in the description below. That way our fans can just click it and go take you right to the link and check out from the fields to the garden, two books by my guy, Stitch Duran. He's I'm at Stitch Duran. I'm going to have, I'm going to go right now yeah. and make sure to check out at Stitch Duran on all social media, your Instagram, the pictures you have on there. Unbelievable stuff. It's really just like a, it's like a highlight reel of, of boxing history. It, it, it truly is. It's, it's truly awesome. Stitch, before we go and wrap it up, we once again thank you for all your time today. Uh, we can catch you Tuesdays and Thursdays from the MGM Grand all summer. Uh, and then wherever else, other states and other martial arts, they open up. I'm sure you'll be there as well. But before we go, we want you to 
to close us out. Anything you have to say before we go? Yeah, just, you know, uh, you're talking about, I have my own line of tape, of course. You know, I'm an entrepreneur uh, with boxing stuff, my own tape and KO as well. But uh, all that's available at Cutman for Hire Supplies. Uh, one, I, I literally had him carry my stuff uh, through a dream. I had a dream that he was carrying my stuff. I called him the next day, and, and uh, he was glad to, and we partner up. So Cutman for Hire Supplies for all you trainers and, and, and Cutman. It's the only place to go and get your best equipment and I support him. And, uh, but I'm also working with, uh, CBD science. Uh, okay. they've created cream for cuts that we've been testing with bare knuckle fighters. So after you get sewn up, uh, apply the cut and, you know, they've been sending us pictures every week and the results have been tremendous. It really works Has stem cell and CBD and vitamin E and collagen. And, uh, so, and then one more round, got to finish up with, you know, one more round and, uh, for those that remember, uh, One More Round was one of my sponsors uh, until the UFC let me go. And uh, when I was working with Zach uh, with KSI uh, from London, when he fought Logan Paul, I, I spent time with KSI. Uh, Mark Zucker from uh, uh, One More Round saw me and he contacted me and we became partners uh, with One More Round. So uh, it's great apparel stuff. Check it out. OneMoreRound.com. Nice. There it is. They, oh, there you go, Zach. What, you got something to say? Yeah, I just want to say, again, like, well, KSI from Watford, like me as well, but just really great, you know, really grateful for you giving giving us the time to be able to ask you these questions and to interview you. You know, I've heard sure. some amazing answers, and I've obviously got some great advice, which I'm going to use for the future. So I want to say thank you. Yeah, yeah. of course. And you're talking about, you know, being, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of beating the odds. Uh, and I was talking about KSI, these uh, uh, reality show guys. But Anson Gip, I, I got to give him credit because KSI was more of an athlete coming into yeah. Australia. And, uh, but Anson Gibb was, you know, a little chubby kid that lost some weight that, that did something. And when I met him, I thought, oh, gee, you know, he's going to be in for a tough night. You know, Jake, Jake Paul was an athlete. He was a wrestler, so he'd been used to it. But the training that Anson Gibb did here in Las Vegas, he literally morphed into being a fighter. And even though he wasn't, a top-notch fighter he made that transition through hard work and and dedication and believing in himself uh so you know that story that he i saw uh is something that we do because we're all anson gibbs and until you work hard and become who you are he went out there and challenged the world and went into combat uh with two strikes against him and he in my part ended up hitting a home run so follow your dreams uh, they do come true. Well, pretty impressive. And I hope they will for me. <laughs> they will. Stitch, you're one cool ass dude, man. Thank you so That's much for me. your time. And uh, it'll yeah. be up and we'll send you all the links and you'll you'll be tagged and everything and it'll be up uh, shortly. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it. And you guys did a good Thank job. You so much. Thank you. Know, you. I've done a lot of interviews and, and the questions that you write, they're not redundant because I understand, but it's nice to hear different questions come at me and, and uh, you know, hopefully I got the right answers. So you guys keep it up, man. Do it again anytime. No, That's we appreciate it. Yeah, we'll definitely have you on for one more round. That's for sure. Definitely, hopefully in person next time. You never know. Yeah, so. and definitely in person. All right, and maybe outside of this bubble, man.